Uh, always a privilege to be able to uh, preach to you guys. And just want to say, first of all, that uh, it's always encouraging when we have lots of contributions. Big fan of that. It's people offering what the Spirit's been telling them. And then a particular several that really hopefully connect with what the Spirit's been teaching myself and hopefully I can preach to you guys as well in regards to the sermon and just, yeah, just love it when the Holy Spirit connects and joins up what people have been feeling and thinking that he's put on them and then connects with what we're going to be talking about this morning. So I'm going to be continuing on with what Richard's been taking us through in Hebrews chapter 11, looking at the great men and women of faith. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11 verses 30 to 31, which should appear on the screen. So I'll just begin by reading that. So it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 to 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So, I just want to look at two particular incidents, two accounts in the Old Testament. The one Firstly, the one of the fall of Jericho under Joshua's leadership. And then secondly, although probably a bit briefly, Rahab, the prostitute who was a citizen in Jericho. Uh, so I want to talk about the, the ability to have faith in broken walls and in broken lives. So faith in broken walls and faith in broken lives. So just a bit of background for those of you who don't know. Moses, the great man of God, the man who was given a mandate by God to bring uh, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land of Canaan. So Moses is given that command by God. He sets them free. He leads them out into the wilderness for those 40 years. And then he passes away, unfortunately. God takes him away. And then in his place, the man who was his second in command becomes the commander-in-chief, Joshua. So the Israelites have left Egypt, their place of slavery for the past 400 years. They've been taken out under liberation by Moses into the wilderness for 40 years. Moses passes away. A sense of all hope is lost, perhaps. And then Joshua rises up under the anointing of God and says, right, now you're going to take the land, the promised land, Canaan. And so one of the first places that God says you need to go and take victory over, you need to go and take rulership and start to slowly build the empire, build the nation of Israel, is Jericho. And Jericho is this walled city. It's one of the more prominent cities in Canaan, in in the ancient Near East back in those days. It was an impenetrable fortress. So Joshua rises up He has his army, they've trained men, they've trained young boys uh, to fight swords, shields, all of that jazz, and to go and attack 
this city, getting ready for all the multitude of other cities that they're going to be overtaking and taking territory, taking victory over so that they can be fruitful, so that they can be all that God promised they would be, fruitful, multiply, grow, become a great blessed nation. So God says to, uh, to Joshua though, what you're going to do is you're not going to go to Jericho with your brandished swords and shields. You're not going to go and take Jericho by strength and might and by your own will. What you're going to do is you're going to go to the walls of Jericho. And as we read in the passage of scripture, you're just going to march around it. You're going to march around it once every day for seven days. And then without going into the detail, they continue to do that. And then on the seventh day, God commands Joshua to tell the army, march round the city of Jericho seven times, blow your trumpets, and all those walls will come crumbling down. So God is commanding Joshua to tell this army of Israel, have faith in me, Yahweh, have faith in God, and I will give you one of these first victories of many that are to come. Let's start as we mean to go on by building faith. So, broken walls, that's a little bit of background on the fall of Jericho under Joshua. The first thing, though, as I was reading through just these two little passages of Scripture, and as I was preparing, finishing up the touches last night, I was thinking, you know what? When I was first given this, I thought, two verses, bang that out, knock that out easy, that's all right, there's not much in there. But then as you go through it, as is the case with most of Scripture, even one word can just bring about all of this wisdom, all of this goodness, all of this knowledge and truth about God. So and last night I ended up being like, ah, right, I'm going to have to focus on something here because I can't get through these two verses in like 20, 25, half an hour. It's not going to do. So um, the first thing as I was reading it that stuck out to me that I thought that is a truth from God in this passage. That is something that the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us here. And that is that faith builds up ready to tear down. So faith builds up, ready to tear things down, which can sound a bit uh, contrasting. That can sound a bit not quite right. So what I mean by that is the faith that we have in God, first of all, builds us up. The faith that we've been given grows within us. So first of all, just briefly, let's just look at faith really quickly and there are just a few things that I wanted to highlight about faith and the first one is faith is a gift from God. So there are a lot of people out there in the world that think faith is something we utterly and entirely produce and work out ourselves and there's a hint of truth in that. Faith is something we need to take human responsibility for. It's our responsibility to be faithful and to live faithful lives but ultimately Right at the start of things, right at the very beginning, at the foundation of the world, and even before that, God, all the way in eternity past, before anything ever was, he loved us. We didn't love him. God loved us. God gave us faith. God gave us the gift of faith. So if we can sit here this morning and say, I'm a believer, I believe by faith, well, that faith is a gift of God's grace. That's What makes God great is his gracious gift of faith. That's what makes God great is his gracious gift of faith. Nothing that we did or ever could do. It's just him being a loving father 
being a kind dad and saying, I'm giving you life and I'm going to give you faith to live your life. So faith is a gift given to us by God. It's a precious gift that we nurture and it's a gift that edifies us as well. So it's a gift that builds us up in our lives. It's a faith that iron sharpens iron. So we, we know that passage of scripture, iron sharpens iron, faith sharpens faith. Your faith sharpens my faith. So coming together with you guys this morning has sharpened me. It's made me more, it's made me more strong. It's made me more stable. It's made me more uh, able to go through life. It's encouraged me. It's spurred me on. Singing together does that. Taking communion later will do that. Speaking with one another will do that. Praying for one another. Seeing our faith in action in all of your lives and then hearing about it from these contributions, these offerings, that encourages me. So faith shapes and molds us, molds us into strong believers, into mature, wise believers. So faith is a gift from God. Never forget that. It's all his own doing. Faith edifies us as we engage with one another as believers. And faith grows within us as well. So faith isn't something that stays as a seed. Faith originally is a seed. It's planted in us, in the fertile soil of our hearts. But then seeds grow. And again, as I engage with you, as you engage with me, as we engage with God through his holy words, as we engage with God through prayer, through worship, through listening to him, our faith is growing all the time. Our faith is expanding. Our faith is getting more faithful. Our faith is becoming more faithful as we grow towards God and become more like him and reflect him. And then also, and this is the key, faith builds up. So faith will build us up. We're like blocks getting built on. We're like, we're like a sculpture. We're getting some things thrown on us, some clay thrown on us, thrown on us and we're getting shaped. We're getting built up, getting shaped. We're getting molded. We're becoming strong. We're becoming more like God. We're looking more like him. We're interacting with each other more like God would interact with us if he was on the earth now in human form. The way Jesus interacted with his disciples and everybody in the world, the more we grow in faith, the more we are built in faith, the more we'll behave in that same way, the more we'll think with the thoughts of God, feel with the heart of God. So just a very brief summary about some key things I think the Bible teaches us faith is. Faith is a gift. It is not of our own doing. It is a gracious gift of God given to us to enjoy and to share with others. That's how kind of a dad he is to us. Faith edifies us. Faith grows us and then faith builds us up. Now, um, Carrie and I go and visit Isla a lot. A lot. Okay. She does more than I do because she gets to go home a bit earlier from work on most days and I'm still working till six or something. But on the whole, we do tend to visit her a lot. And the times where I've visited Isla, she's got this thing, which a lot, most kids do, where they've got toy blocks, you know, building blocks. I had them, Lego or Duplo, if you want the chunkier ones. And you have like your big red um, uh, buckets with full of the blocks and you pour them out and then you start building things. When, when we go round, a lot of the time, or one particular time, we were building blocks in the living room. We were getting some towers built. We were getting some walls built. They were, they were quite wide. They were quite, you know, 
big out there, at least for Isla's size. And then she was doing this thing where she just had complete and utter joy and ecstasy after building this wall, smashing it down, and then all you hear was a <laughs> of excitement. Um, and I just was thinking about that because we visited the other day and she was doing that and she was building all these walls up. You know, she was putting one block on top of the other, very intricately focusing on it. You know, one color there, next color there, building it all up. And then with a big backhand, whack, they all go down and she runs around the living room screaming at the top of her head out of joy, sheer joy. I was thinking, faith builds us up. The faith that God has given us builds us up. That's it, this is something similar. Faith builds us up ready to tear things down. And what do I mean by ready to tear things down? What I mean is there are things in this world, realities in this world, which perhaps unbelievers don't consider because a lot of the time it's if I don't see it, I won't believe it. If I don't feel it, it doesn't exist. But as believers, as disciples, we know that the real substance of things are the things we most of the time can't see or can't hear. There are rulers out there, authorities, dark powers, and evil spiritual forces in the world. Now, that sounds quite lofty and up there, but what I mean by that is there are things that are the result of our sin. We've all got sin. We've all got a sinful nature. We've all got shame, things we feel guilty about, skeletons in the closet. We can't quite forget. We can't quite live our life the way we'd fully want to because we keep being thrown back into the past lifestyles and choices and decisions that we made. So things like, and they're classics because they're prevalent throughout the whole world, loneliness, like we've heard about by someone's contribution this morning. Um, Grief, things that have happened to us. Addiction, things we can't let go of, things we can't get rid of. And just because that word has more prominence perhaps with drug and alcohol, don't leave it just with those things. Addiction is anything. Addiction is something that takes the place of God, something you don't, you want more than God. So a lot of us, we're all addicts a lot of the time, Monday to Friday, 24-7. There is always something that is taking God's place, idolatry, something we want more than him, something that gives us more joy, more happiness, more gratitude, more thankfulness, more pleasure, more meaning, when actually they take their place. So these, these things, these powers, these dark forces, they're all part of our sinful nature. They're all part of Satan and his demons and what he's doing. And we then are building up walls. These are the blocks, these are the bricks that are being built up in our lives. So these, our hearts, our minds, sometimes are quite hard. And they're hard because they're full of some blocks. They're full of some bricks that are building up walls that are separating us from fully enjoying God. From fully being in his presence, knowing nothing of shame, guilt, paranoia, worry, grief, doubt, fear, anxiety, all of these blocks are being built up, ready to be torn down though, by faith. And that's what we do. We war against these things. So faith does all of those things I've mentioned. Faith's a gift, it edifies, it grows, it builds. Why? Ready for Monday, nine o'clock, while you're sipping your coffee at your office or trying to get your kids dressed. Ready for those things that are building blocks that are separating you from God. So faith is something that we use as a weapon. Faith is a weapon. Faith is our swords. 
Israel had swords. They didn't have true swords. They had physical swords. That does some damage, albeit. But faith swords do the most damage to things they need to, which is sin, which is distance from God, disobedience from him, all those things that I've mentioned that invade our lives and keep us well away from him. So faith builds us up, ready to tear things down. Faith builds us up as a people, ready to tear down the walls that are in our hearts and in our minds that separate us from God. Secondly, faith isn't insular, it's infiltrating. So faith isn't insular or locked up, hidden, secure, and private in me. It's infiltrating. It's public. It's outward. Faith isn't a private matter. It's a public mandate. So unless you've been living under a rock these past several weeks, you would have known general election, a lot of opinions, a lot of people with different views, which is absolutely fine. We're a democracy. You can think what you want. Um, But people have been Going, uh, people went on Thursday to vote, to, to contribute, to, to, to give their opinion, to give their view, to give what they believed passionately, or believe, present tense, passionately, on how this society should be run. You believe this about that subject. You believe this about this policy, uh, this part of the manifesto. Brilliant. I'm going to tick my X on my paper, put it in the ballot box, and I'm going to post it on Facebook or social media, I'm going to tell my colleagues or something, I'm going to, you know, get out there and influence people, you know, like the whole campaigning with your leaflets, like the MPs and everything. Great stuff, good, healthy, because we need to shape and mold our society. But I don't know about you, me growing up, and they won't mind me saying this because they're not here, my mum and dad, they would never tell me who they vote for. I'm not sure if they even told each other who they voted for. I don't know, but it was a very private matter. It was that's that's me, and you know it can be a very hot topic, as I'm sure lots of you have seen and heard. Um, it can be a hot topic. A lot of people just keep it to themselves and don't really want to share that, but at the same time, they want to obviously contribute. Faith is different. Faith is not a private matter. Your faith, your belief in God is not something you have, we have any rights to keep to ourselves. It's not something that we go home, it's what I believe, but I won't share it at work, I won't share it at school, I won't share it at college or with my family, because it's my right to keep it to myself. If, you know, it's my right to enjoy it alone, because it gives me comfort, it gives me reassurance. Jesus says, don't hide your light underneath a basket. If someone builds a city, they don't put it at the bottom of the hill, they put it at the top of the hill so everyone can come to it and see it in all its glory. You don't hide your faith away. You put it out there for everyone to see. No matter what they say, and they'll say things, no matter what people will think or do to you to try and dissuade you, Jesus says, it doesn't matter. The world first hated me. They're going to hate you. But faith is not politics. Faith is not other things you you are able to keep to yourself and have every right to. Faith is something God says, you believe in me? Brilliant. How much do you believe in me? How serious are you? Let's go and share this with anyone and everyone as opportunities come. You know, maybe not with, you know, evangelism machine gun, just getting everybody you can as and when they come to you, but being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, knowing what he's saying, what he's giving you, what he's showing you. You know, whoa, that conversation made a strange turn of events there, or I could just pop a little something into our conversation. Or, wait a minute, they're talking about a film that makes a really good point or mentions... Christianity, or what did you do on the weekend? 
huh, well, uh, all these things that are just so open to us, so, so easy, dare I say. I know a lot of the time it's not, though. For us just to say something about the love of God, the gospel, his death, his resurrection, in whatever way is suitable and appropriate. But what I just want to say is faith isn't something we keep inside, something we share with others. So going back to Jericho, though, when you read the story of Jericho and you read it through New Testament eyes, so you are a New Testament Christian, we're a New Testament church, we now look back at the Old Testament and we start to read it and think, wait a minute, that looks really familiar, there's something about that. You read Jericho, at least I, you read uh, Joshua and Jericho, and you start to think, wait a minute, Joshua... Joshua was Jesus' name. We, we call him Jesus because that's English. But it was Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. Um, so Joshua, Jesus, uh, walled city uh, that we need to break down and get into. You start to read things a little bit differently. And what you read from here is that Jericho is a prophetic image. So Jericho is something, the story of Jericho was a story that the Holy Spirit was using at that time to make us then, when we read back on it, thinking about Jesus. So Jer- J- Joshua is Jesus. The city, Jericho, is our world. The walls are our sin. And the army of Israel, well, that's us under the command of the one true and living God, Jesus Christ. And we go and we break down the walls and we infiltrate. We go into our communities. We go into our neighborhoods. We cross the road to our neighbor to maybe invite him or her to something, or to say something, or just to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people around us. That maybe will create an opportunity in the future. So Jericho is a prophetic story. It's a prophetic image. It shows us this is what Jesus did. We now need to do the same. And also... We are ambassadors sent to infiltrate everywhere with the gospel. So we're quite big on this, but most of us, we will do something where we go somewhere and do something. So you might go to work and work. You might take your kids to the playgroup at the local community center. You might go and visit someone in the elderly people's home. It could be anything. Go and see friends. You might just go to college, go to school. There's all these public places we have where we are going. And actually, when you sit back and think about it, if you remember the mandate we've been given by Jesus, which is the gospel, we've been given the gospel, we've been given the kingdom, we've been given his Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And when we take a step to go somewhere, we're not doing it willy-nilly. We're not doing it nonchalantly. Actually, every step we take has purpose. Everywhere we go has meaning. Every person we interact with has opportunity to say or do something to them. We don't live our lives and die and go to heaven to be with him. We get saved. We get discipled. We come under Jesus' lordship, just like the Israelites came under Joshua's lordship. And then we go and infiltrate places. We go and infiltrate our CUs at school or university or college. We go and infiltrate our water cooler in the hallway in our office and we look for opportunities. We live our lives just normally. I know this sounds really, well, you've got to think about it all the time, man. You've got to be looking all the time for opportunities. You just need to live your life. If you live your life 
like Jesus, then people will say something. People will notice something. People will say, why didn't you swear your head off when that happened? Why didn't you say, make a comment about that woman when she walked past or that man? Why don't you bash your managers? Why don't you scream at your kids at the top of your voice? If you live your life like Jesus with his fruits, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all these things, people will notice and opportunities a lot of the time won't be created by you just happen because you're living your godly, holy life, and people will take notice of that. So faith builds up, ready to tear down. Faith isn't insular, it's infiltrating. And lastly, just moving away from Jericho, let's move to the person, the particular person inside Jericho, just as we close, and that's Rahab. So by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient who were disobedient. Faith is found in funny places and in funny people. Okay, so I don't know about you, but there are funny places out there in Worcester. Excuse me. And there are funny people out there. People you perhaps wouldn't necessarily interact with. People you think, oh, they're different from me. They think differently. They dress differently. They speak differently. They have just different ideologies. They, they just think of the world differently and I just can't interact with them. The truth is, faith can be given by God as a gift to anyone at any time, at any place. So it's not our little club. It's not our little get together. We're not a sect. We're not a cult, you know, where we don't invite people in. We're open to anyone and everyone, no matter where they're from, no matter what they have done. We we, we, are, we are inclusive in that sense. In that sense, anyone and everyone can come in. God doesn't keep us where we are. God doesn't let us keep behaving and thinking and believing what we believe. But at the start, he will bring anyone in and then he'll transform us and change us to be like him. So faith's found in unlikely places, in funny places and funny people. Past lifestyles do not decide future life. Your past lifestyle does not decide your future life. Look at Rahab, probably one of the greatest examples. Prostitute, uh, um, believe she had a child, although I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Um, by faith, faith was put in her. She was spared. She was rescued from destruction. And again, that's a prophetic image. You, whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you've said, thought, believed, Whatever, it doesn't determine where you're going to go or where you're going to end up, okay? God's not going to say, look what you did, look what you said, look where you went, look what your heart was like. Look what you were thinking on that day about that person. Instead, he's going to say, right, you did what you did, said what you said, you lived a certain life that you lived, I'm God." Okay, I'm the forgiving God, the gracious God, the kind God. I will take you from where you were and I will put you on the path to where I want you to be and what is best for you. He's the God who has our best interests at heart, even though it doesn't seem like it. So it doesn't matter where you've come from. I'm currently working um, in a certain job where a lot of the time it's quite difficult every day to to deal with our clientele. and uh, you know what, I get thoughts sometimes, 
And Kay will tell you because we had a romantic dinner date the other night and we were talking about politics. Perhaps you shouldn't do that on a date night. Uh, but also about the rubbish day I'd had at work and the people I was working with. And I was just, ah, oh, and it just, it started romantic, didn't end romantic. It was, yeah. But these people, these people I work, I work with, I think to myself, surely, ah, oh, surely not. Like, I know you're God and you're big and you're great and you're powerful and you're loving, kind, merciful. I read all these amazing stories of people like Paul who hated you, who tried to destroy your church and kill believers. I read about people like um, David who committed adultery and then murdered the husband of the wife he committed adultery with. I'm like, that's fine. But, but really, like this person that I'm taking this call from, that's speaking to me in that way, oh man, it's frustrating. But the truth is, I come back, I reflect, I read the truth, I remember the gospel that I believe in and the faith that was given to me. And actually, it's wide open. The gospel gates are wide open for anyone to come in. Anyone and everyone can change. There's always hope to transform your life and to not be the person you were, as difficult as it can be. And really, it just shows how stuck up I am sometimes when I think about that. And actually, oh my words, I, I remember all the things that I called you, Lord, when I was growing up frustrated with you, the person I was. Like, how can I say this about someone else when you've brought me to where I am and you picked me, the person I was? You can do immeasurably more than I could ever think or imagine. So God is the God of the unexpected and the unlikely. So like I've said, just random examples. Think about Joseph. You know, spoiled brat who his father loved and he, would, he used to go to his brothers and say, I had this dream where you're going to submit to me and I'm going to rule over you. Ha ha. And then he becomes the prime minister of the land of Egypt, second in command to Egypt. Look where you can go, look where God can take you. David, I've just mentioned. Um, Mary, you know, ancient Near East, a long time ago, but a woman, a young woman, is given the opportunity to give birth to the son of God, God incarnate, to be his mum for 33 years. She was given the opportunity to nurture, to shape and mold the life of the God-man, of God in the flesh. And she was from Bethlehem, which is like the, the rough part of town, you know, the wrong side of the tracks. No one wanted to go there. Or Nazareth as well. What good can come out of Nazareth, they say. And then Paul, lastly, hated Christians, despised them, murdered a few of them, threw a few of them in jail, uh, was zealous and passionate but misplaced. God comes to him, completely changes. Instead of killing and imprisoning people, he's setting people free with the gospel and he's creating more of these people to infiltrate the world with the good news. So, faith builds up, ready to tear down. Faith isn't insular, it's infiltrating. Faith is found in funny places and funny people. Never write anyone off. No, you, we, do not, we do not have the right to write people off, but to always present them to God's and to do our best with them. And I think the last slide, sorry, Steve. Um, if it's up, if I haven't got it written down. So let's have faith for, we can come to the next one. You can just bring all three of them up. Yeah. So just to sum up in conclusion, let's have faith to break down the walls in our lives, whatever they are, you know what they are, to share the gospel 
with others to, to infiltrate our communities, our workplaces, our families with the good news. And for God to save unlikely people in unexpected places. Jim, Jim going to Dines Green or with the Encounter Group or, or go in the King's Church in Redditch. All these different places, all these different communities, neighborhoods, estates, people that um, are difficult, hard soil, hard soil. But God is the God who breaks hard soil with stronger seeds of faith. He smashes them and plants strong seeds and they grow. So just, just to finish, because Alex, we're going to go through communion now. Just want to give you guys the opportunity, because I felt the Holy Spirit drop this into me last night. If you've got walls in your life, if you've got things that are distancing you from the presence and the love of God, and you know what they are, I'd encourage you while we're taking communion, as we do anyway, but maybe specifically with this, grab a friend, grab a leader, grab a small group leader, uh, grab anyone you feel comfortable with, and say, you know what, I've been building this wall up in my life that I'm struggling to knock down. Can you pray for me that I would do that? And you know what, prophesy over people. Just don't be afraid or embarrassed just to declare some victory, as Mike was saying, over people. Okay? So if you've got any walls, just during communion, just come up and just grab someone comfortable and ask for that help. But yeah, over to 